0: Towards the end, there are these different adventures, and they're all just really beautifully illustrated. They're high stakes. Two people almost die. One meets a freaking space god and almost gets poisoned. Space fox spirit, but yeah. okay. Space fox spirit, space elder one, and the end result is Grace being like, yeah, I'm just working on my play and I'm just so busy. <laughs> it's just like, dude,
1: what the That's fuck? how the world is. If anything, it's so jarring because you have this like massive like space fantasy and like love quest.
0: Well and it's just like Okay, but don't put it in a space fantasy because there are certain expectations. <laughs> that come with when you show these huge panels of these underground chasms temples and, and, yeah, and chasms yeah, yeah. and space. you don't give me this this is how the world is that's that no, no 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 that's not how this world is but I just felt like really when she said that I'm working on my play you work on your fucking play get in the goddamn fish spaceship damn dude <laughs> uh, I think um, that's the title of the episode get in your damn space get fish in your spaceship. damn goldfish spaceship yeah
2: Jesus, don't want me for a sunbeam Cause sunbeams are not made like me And don't expect me to lie For other reasons you had to die Don't ever ask your love of me Hey Ryan, remember that time we were enrolled in an
1: all girl space Hogwarts and a totally rat mess we had mom sent us to? And we fell in love, crashed the flying space quidditch yeah. ships, nearly got kicked out of school, but only got locked in a closet, non metaphorically speaking, only for our high school sweetheart to get whisked away by her space homesitter aristocrat sisters. So we decided to graduate only to make straight C's and join an all girl space cathedral reconstruction crew living and working on a space salamander, eating chili, and playing board games while we made our way. Our lost love
0: well raman when you come up for breath we have to talk (laughs) what is this where you tell me that i have to stop doing so many drugs after my kids go to bed no raman we all realize there's no stopping the cocaine train i'm referring more to your podcast intros where you ask me these weird winding questions with weird fantasy references and expect me to pay attention long enough to answer them i think you mean flights of space fantasy like this week's book Space fantasy, huh? Tell me more about this exciting new genre, Roman. I'm Roman Segel. And I'm Ryan Joe, And we are two dudes whose book selection always puts children first. Remember when we read Ayako? <laughs> oh,
1: <my God. sighs> this week, we are reading some really sweet but weird shit as we oscillate through the alphabet for the letter O, which is for On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden.
0: Boom, thud. Oh, come on. I can make that. Hang on. What was that? I'm using the book to crush walnuts. I
1: guess I should be honored that you actually bought the book instead of reading on your tablet.
0: I love paper, Ruman. It has the smell of a dying industry.
1: (laughs) I guess more than most of us. Well, look, since I pretty much got the plot synopsis out of the way in the intro, let me know what you thought about Anna Sunbeam and Tilly Walden's star-crossed lover's tale of Mia Grace and all their friends.
0: Yeah. I mean, at its best, it was a very, very transportive book. I mean... <laughs> you lead with the compliment. I'm waiting. What? I'm waiting. I did. I did. I really kind of got into it in, in a lot of in a lot of
2: <laughs> <in> certain
0: points. <laughs> so no, okay. So Tilly Walden is a really masterful storyteller, and she has a very sparse style that I you would not think would lend itself to an epic fantasy involving goldfish, spaceships, and maneuvering through canyons and these weird at- landscapes. But the way she illustrates these big splash pages, the colors, which are very kind of sparse, almost monochromatic that she uses, they're so effective, I think, in just kind of bringing you into this world. She's visually, On a Sunbeam, is sort of like a fantasy space story like like no other. It's a very unusual-looking book, and it is a very enrapturing book as well.
1: I felt like I was tripping. I mean, the first time I read it, I felt like I was in a dream. And the second time I read it, I thought I was tripping. I think that's a great description. It feels like you're in a dream. It feels like you're tripping. Yeah. And I feel like her first book that she got a lot of acclaim for was a book called Spinning, which is just about a young adult book about dancing and ballet. And it was beautiful. And then independently, I started hearing about On a Sunbeam. And so I kind of picked it up. And then more recently, again, I was just like, I saw a new book from her come out called Clementine that I picked up recently and I got through it. I didn't realize it was a Walking Dead tie in, but it's just, it's, she's kind of like one of those creators like Wes Anderson, where she just has such a distinct style and it's not just her art, it's the meandering dreamlike way she moves through her stories that I mean, I, I would argue she's probably like Wes Anderson and you either really like her or you kind of don't. And mm-hmm. I, I can understand maybe why people don't. But I'm in the camp of just I don't care what she talks about or what she says. And to see her take on a love story or a space, it's not even a space opera, it's space fantasy. I, uh, I'm there for it. But I, yeah. I'm guessing beyond the art, <laughs> there's something that's missing for you.
0: No, I mean, I think the comparison with wes anderson is apt even though they have very kind of different styles but when you think about Mm -hmm. wes anderson's movies right it's sort of like these people kind of having sort of mundane conversations Mm -hmm. in these Mm -hmm. very odd landscapes or in these very odd set pieces and i think tilly walden is like that because a lot of these are kids who are in school they're walking around with their backspace school Space school and but yeah that's the thing though right there are these the school is this huge space with these epic columns or these like mini universes where they play their little space quidditch. One thing I also like about it is that she doesn't really explain exactly how the universe works. Why are these people going around kind of reconstructing these cathedrals or office buildings? in space she doesn't really explain it and i'm, I'm kind of glad she doesn't explain it because it kind of adds to this sense of mystery in this world and it kind of lets you fill it a lot with your own imagination and I, I really kind of appreciated i don't know if tilly walden was ever tempted to kind of explain how the world works but i'm glad she didn't because you have to bring a lot more to this book and that kind of forces you to immerse yourself in it even more so well It's it's all that's left unsaid that
1: for the longest time, you don't really know what the staircase is until probably the kind of the second act of the book. And it's more ominous that this world you don't understand that has rules that apply that we just don't understand. Honestly, kind of like the main character, Mia, she doesn't know. A lot of people don't know the history of the universe in this book.
0: Yeah. And you, you also don't fully understand. What's interesting is like what happened to Earth? They mentioned it, I think, in one panel but and and it's not even
1: a mention of what happened to earth it's just like it's a trivia question it's like yeah what planet was the first one to do this oh earth
0: it starts with an e And,
1: and most of the kids don't even know it
0: right and so where they are where they're oriented in this world is kind of a mystery and what's also kind of fun is that as we go through the book we unpack some of the mysteries of the world but there are so many others that Tilly walden just does not explain. And again, I think that kind of lends on a sunbeam, its rare power, and really kind of helps emphasize the dreamscape feeling of this book, that we're kind of floating through this world, not fully understanding it. And the only thing that's really kind of holding us to it is the relationships between the characters, because those are a lot more real, right? The affection that these kids have for each other as they kind of are stuck in space together, working together. Of course, the love that mia and grace have for each other as well those are kind of like your anchors in this world
1: yeah and they're it's so weird because they're mundane is the wrong word but it's with the exception of kind of like the true star-crossed lovers thing that that is going on over kind of the the two stories in the past and the present that takes place over about seven years uh, these are relatively normal confusing obtuse relationships Right where there's just like silliness of where were you? You missed dinner. I just want to play board games with you. There's so much real estate and like thickness yeah. to this book. That's just that's spent on the mundane, which feels makes you feel lived in with these people.
0: Yeah, I, I, well, I think that's actually the right word, but I think that's intentional. There's so much weird stuff that's kind of happening in the background and on the fringes, but what's happening at the center with these characters talking to each other, interacting with each other. It is mundane, but it's mundane in a recognizable way. It's interesting because a lot of space fantasy, science fiction fantasy, sci fi fantasy, has sort of like this weird dialogue where they'll reference obscure technologies or ships. And this book really kind of has none of it. They don't have weird names for the spaceships or they don't use any strange vocabulary, which often kind of keeps you out of the world because you have to sit there trying to translate what the hell are these people talking about? The way they talk, is very kind of 21st century young America. It's Mm -hmm. just everything that's happening around them is so strange and weird and and often beautiful and sublime. I feel like I'm teetering on the edge of like finding out what you didn't like, but like you're
1: being you're being strangely effusively positive. But how did you actually feel about the relationships, the love story, the past and the present of Space Hogwarts and Space Cathedrals?
0: I I felt, I mean, it felt believable, but it also felt very YA. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is a, this is definitely a YA book, right? Because sure. the entire relationship is basically these teenagers, and they're fourteen when they meet, and then they're what nineteen when they finally kind of reunite. Yeah, and that perspective, I I, I think I would have responded a lot more to this book if I were kind of of that age range rather than like. 41, because it's sort of like those older relationships that that have more stakes. When you mm-hmm. think about like, okay, what's... You know, as much as I enjoyed their young relationship, I didn't understand why it was so consequential that not only was Mia willing to risk her life for it, she was willing to let her entire group of friends risk their lives for it. And they very... Two of them almost died yeah. trying yeah. to reunite Mia with Grace, just so Mia could say, hey, what's up? And <laughs> that's what and then, and she 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 says, this is what I want to do. I just want to say, hey, what's going on? And that's my big problem with it, because it's sort of like the the end did not really justify the high the means, which were so high stakes. It was a life or death situation. What happens if Mia never sees Grace? Well, it's kind of sad. Because what happens when you break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend when you're 14 through 19 well you'll probably find somebody else right you're still young there's so many yeah. other people out there it's
1: it's a it's a first love it's a first
0: love. it's a first love mm-hmm. and i didn't think as it's a grand sweeping romantic gesture to risk life and limb to be reunited with somebody but when it's somebody that you met when you were 14 i kind of <laughs> think huh maybe you don't want to do that right now it's what, what did you did you have that a problem also i mean
1: the feelings are big. Your first love is a big feeling. And to your point, it's written for YA. And look, neither you nor I are people whose first love or great love from our 20s is the one that we ended up in. And I don't even have any question in my mind that that isn't the right decision. I'm positive that it is fine that those relationships do not exist. But the the romantic in me wants to believe that for some people it does the high school sweetheart deserves to be true so i kind of don't mind it and more importantly i was was almost given a little bit of like a fast and furious because there's a moment where everyone's like we'll do it for you because your family
0: right it's It's yeah the the fast and furious sort of thing you're right it's the the fast and furious crew
1: if i I can't tie it to seinfeld i'm gonna tie it to dom dominic But
0: seinfeld and dom are pretty much the same guy Pretty much, pretty much. So for me, it's
1: it was believable and allowable because the book is already so fucking fantastic, right? The settings are fantastic. So why can't the human gestures and the human relationships be fantastic? So I was willing to let myself go because I was already kind of falling in love with the book as we are reading it and unpacking what is happening with Mia and Grace. What is going to happen to Mia and Grace? The it's almost like I never got to say goodbye. I never got to say those last words because of that tragedy at the end. Because the the one thing I'm a little bit reminded of is in Why the Last Man, how the world comes to a fucking halt and his girlfriend's in Australia. And of course he's chasing love just to see who she is and how she is. But that's not how the story ends up concluding. But in these kind of truly extenuating circumstances, you have to literally cross heaven and earth. And I think that's the same thing that's kind of happening here. This universe, this piece of the universe that is so vast and so well-traveled, there's one piece of it that is so cut off. And, of course, the one person you meet in this world and in this life that you, sees you and that you can love and loves you it, is removed suddenly. And, yeah, I mean, to, to to make it a little worse, in the one moment that you wanted to say goodbye, you weren't allowed to. So, I don't know, man. The romantic in me...
0: I I hear what you're saying and I agree with it to an extent, but also I I feel like Tilly, like a few narrative tweaks could have really made that resonate more like Mm. grace goes back willingly. Why does she need to go back? Well, I guess mom, there's something weird happening back at home. And her mom needs her there, but Grace, she's been at the school for so long. Just from a narrative standpoint, she, couldn't she have just mm-hmm, waited mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Mia to get back to her? And then the urgency—why does Grace need to be back? Well, I don't know actually, because when we find her, she's just working on her play. It's all kind of a seems all kind of pretty chill. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah so I, yeah. I
0: think like if Tilly Walden had figured out what grace needs to go back now or she is kidnapped and forced to go back right, something right. like that or and the reason that mia wants to find her i don't know she feels like grace is in danger or maybe she's older or something well, but, really but, but driving even, even, even at this, mia this time that
1: even mia doesn't know i need to make sure she's okay sure. i don't know if she's okay and shit's gonna get real if she's not okay she kind of
0: says that to but she friends. does but what would get real and what is the catalyst for making her go back at that time why that moment right i don't remember i don't think it was something con- thing consequential it was sort of like she just decides gosh i really miss grace i need to know if she's okay so i what i'm saying is that walden could have built in something in the narrative that makes me think holy shit i need to see if she's okay something that adds some sort of dramatic urgency i don't know if grace is great i think grace might be hurt and she needs me right something like that and i maybe that's not what she wanted to do because a lot of the book is sort of like about the quieter aspects of that relationship. But I do feel like there needs to be, she waited five years. Why did she wait five years? I well, she that's... Even, It's funny. She even admits like, because I think it's like whatever
1: freshman year or year one at Hogwarts. That's when they, they were separated. They met early on, they were separated. And she even says like when she's explaining to her friends, I went back to school I made straight C's. I even made friends with that girl who kind of tortured me and made right. me miss out. And then it wasn't until school was over and her teacher said, maybe you should try this like space journeyman thing, repairing cathedrals, that she got back out of the universe and discovered that maybe there was a chance. So maybe she wasn't pining for her for five years. It's five years later. There was no space Facebook to, to see how right. Grace was doing
0: right and i guess that's my issue there's that lack of like there's no reason for her to suddenly feel like i need to see her now and i'm willing to risk not only my life but the life of my friends in order to just say yo did you ever see the movie past lives that came out a few months ago no i don't see movies i'm old I have. you saw oppenheimer and you saw barbie so you see some past lives Yeah, no, but I
1: didn't. It's like I only see movies that are like, oh, my God, this is epic. I must see this in theater. Fair enough.
0: So I kind of had the same problem with past lives because it's about these two Korean kids in Korea. They have kind of like a little puppy love sort of thing. And then the girl moves to to the United States or to Canada and they kind of reunite as adults. And my big question always is, why is there this huge attraction over somebody that you met when you were a child, especially when this woman is now married with a husband, like she has, she's moved on with her life. It's one of those things where I'm just questioning the, the strength of those emotions lasting over so many years, especially when your initial me cute was so, you were so young. And was was it literally just like a,
1: a fleeting moment in life or was there like a deeper thing as children?
0: It was kind of a fleeting moment. They They were friends. They were kind of like when you're kind of like heading towards that sort of crush area and admitting it. And they have this one moment where they hang out in a playground right before she moves away. And then they kind of reconnect as adults and as young adults, actually. And she says, hey, you should come visit me in New York. And they don't ever meet. It's just sort of like, hey, man, if you really love this person, if you're doing if you want to do you want to do everything you can to be together and if you can't be together that's the tragedy but they there she's sort of like i'm busy and she's like i'm busy i'm working on my play (laughs) actually just like just like grace and they don't meet up and then they meet up maybe in their 30s again and that's when they kind of have this sort of like charged moment but she's married but
1: but 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 i think i think
0: that's more
1: realistic it is life is yeah. It, it truly isn't the star-crossed lovers, high school sweetheart, I loved you then, and I love you now, and I'm so glad to have serendipitously met you again. It's the, oh, you were a dude I knew. ah, oh, you were someone I knew. And then the universe coincidentally pulls us back together. And Zizan Sari says this in his book, Modern Romance. It's like, why do people get married? Because they were across the street from each other. And you grow to love someone. And uh, so- well, I'm not, on. I'm not, this is actually not in defense of Ana Sunbeam. This is more in defense of your Korean love story. I don't know. I, <laughs> I appreciate the realism of it. But to be fair, the, the romantic in me, genuinely, I'm rooting for these two. And it's funny, like I read this probably mid-pandemic a couple of years ago when life was rough and the world was scary. So this really was like a space fantasy that took me away. And I genuinely didn't remember what Grace said. And so as I'm rereading it last night and finishing it up, I'm like, oh yeah, Grace winds up saying no. Mia just did say, What's up? I just wanted to make sure you were okay and make the grand gesture. And I I seem to remember the story going the other way. And so I was genuinely surprised when you get the happy ending and Grace, spoiler alert, chooses to come along.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I.
1: Would you have been okay with. Well, I. Would you have been more angry? If all of it was to waste for just a what's up, I hope you're okay.
0: I was actually kind of pissed when she was like, I'm working on my play. I can't hang out with you. It's just like, wow, two of her friends almost died. And I know Mia didn't realize that at the time. But it's just like, hey, yeah, it's good to see you working on this play. Be well. And it's just like, dude, <laughs> all of that for that. And also, I will say, like, because the way Tilly Walden illustrates these three, there are these three towards the end, when they're trying to achieve, retrieve grace, the group gets split up, and there are these three yeah. different adventures that these people have, mm-hmm. and they're all just kind of really beautifully illustrated. They're high stakes. Actually, it's four people. There's four different mm-hmm. storylines. Two people almost die. One meets a freaking space god, and almost gets poisoned. And it's sort of like... Uh, I think it's the- a space fox spirit, but yeah. Okay. Space fox spirit, space elder one, and... The end result is Grace being like, yeah, I'm just working on my play and I'm just so busy. It's <laughs> like, dude, what the That's fuck? That's how the world is. If anything, it's so jarring because you have this like
1: massive like space fantasy and like love quest. Well, and it's just like,
0: okay, so you either do you either kind of show like, hey, this is mundane and people cut weird shit and like people have these huge letdowns. But don't put it in a space fantasy because there are certain expectations <laughs> that come with when you show these huge panels of these underground, these underground chasms temples and, yeah, and chasms yeah, yeah. and space. You don't give me this. This is how the world is. That's that No. 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 That's not how this world is. But I mean, I, look. Look. She does end up going with them, so it's sort of like I, I just felt like really when she said that. I'm working on my play. You work on your fucking play. Get in the goddamn fish spaceship. Damn, dude! (laughs) I think that's the title of the episode. Get in your damn space. Get in your damn goldfish spaceship. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was. I was also thinking of. Did you Did you see Bram Stoker's Dracula? And I can't believe. Like this draws comparisons to that Korean, that Korean American movie, Past Lives, but also Bram Stoker's Dracula. Do you remember that? vaguely vaguely had Keanu Reeves struggling with a British accent Gary Oldman chewing <laughs> the scenery but there's that line so so where he's like I would cross oceans of time to be with you and that is this that struck me as like okay that is a truly epic love story because his wife is kind of commits suicide and she's condemned to hell after Dracula has been fighting for for God he's like I, I renounce God fuck you man And he comes back as a vampire and then finds, like, another version of his wife, like, centuries later. And they have this connection, as if from the past. And that, to me, is kind of more appropriate because it's these two people who had been trying to be together or who had been forced apart. They really had been forced apart against their mm. will and he'd been struggling mm. with this for centuries so much so that he be- renounced everything that he believed he renounced his god he accepted the fact that he would be this cursed demon and then he finally finds her and she's he's like I'm do- working on my play and she's like <laughs> yes I'm working on my play with Keanu Reeves no, and they- but he's going to do everything that he can to be with her and I feel like that's the sort of emotion that I would that would send somebody like Mia to grace. There needs to be that sort of epic love in the beginning. And then they're just ripped apart through these completely unfair circumstances. And then Mia has, which is kind of what
1: happens. Okay. Yeah. "Eh, Grace
0: is like, "Eh, I'll go with you guys. Mom wants me home. All right, fine. I'll go. That's, I mean, that's really kind of what happens to, gosh, I don't really want to go, but okay. They're, they're, I I just felt like the drama needed to be up to notch. When it came, like, Walden is so good at, like, these interpersonal sort of discussions, the way these characters interact. But I I feel like what is fundamentally missing from this is this, like, drama that would make you believe that these characters would risk life and limb to be together. And And that her crew would help her. I mean, I th- again, I, th- I do think we're circling around the same
1: thing, and I think that's the fundamental disappointment or disagreement. Like, I actually think the the seemingly plainness of it, it's a simple love. It's a simple love story. It's a very big ask, to your point. <laughs> and it's kind of borderline insulting when she's like, I'm working on my play, because maybe she doesn't fully realize what has she doesn't. Happened. Right. because Because, because <laughs> to be clear, to be clear, it was Mia's obsession all right. along that led to that moment. And Grace is just being surprised by it, right? It's not what she was expecting. Mia has been building to this thing the whole time. So for me, it it was, if anything, it was more believable that it didn't have those those dramatic fantastical elements. I was still transported,
0: but grounded in the reality of it. So I, um, I, I guess for me, it's like when you have this backdrop that, is fantastical and i'm not just talking like in the beginning it's just the the school is epic yeah and it's just part of the milieu of the world but towards the end they are going on these high adventures these adventures that you and it's high stakes high stakes stakes adventures and that's when i feel like you need to ratchet up the you just you just really need to ratchet up the drama yeah but but it's even in
1: like in uh, just to put another tangential reference in star wars A New hope Right. Luke and Han and Chewie go on this adventure to rescue the princess from the Death Star. Right. And at this like pinnacle moment where Luke's in a firefight and he sneaks in. He's like, I'm Luke Skywalker and I'm here to rescue you. And she's like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Like, so
0: she wasn't expecting it.
1: Like, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah.
0: I feel that's played to undercut Luke, right? She's like, hey, this big adventure. Here we go. We're a big man now. And she's like, what? You're kind of short, though, aren't you? I mean, it's just kind of completely. So he's playing up the drama and then he's like... What I'm going to undercut you. I'm going to cut you off at the knees. It is, it's a moment for laughs, right? And when Grace says, I'm working on my play, it's not a moment for laughs. It's meant earnestly. It's meant to ground you. But I want to ask it. Mm. I, want to,
1: I, want to, I want to shift gears a little bit because I don't think we're going to agree on this. But no. the other thing that we didn't even talk about, and I'm, I'm actually really happy that we talk about, did not talk about this, is it's a queer love story, right? And mm. it kind of doesn't fucking matter. I mean, it matters that it is representation let people read this and see this but i'm glad that's it's not like waving a rainbow flag
0: while it does that oh yeah yeah no that wasn't yeah i, I kind of forgot <laughs> i forgot about although, that
1: although, although there were like no boys in this universe and i am actually wondering in the sci-fi of it it's like it's like yeah all the men killed themselves off it doesn't matter <laughs> there are no boys
0: at all oh that's actually an universe. interesting point you're right there aren't any uh, there aren't any dudes in there i never actually there, no, I, realized that either yeah. I, I yeah not that you bring it up it's it's I think, it, yeah, it's, it's true. I, yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, I guess maybe it's an element of sort of like the seamless storytelling where it's just about creating compelling characters and you just kind of go along with it. I never really, yeah. Got a sense that Walden was signaling anything about, Oh, this is a queer love story. This is a, it just was a love story.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I loved it for it. Like uh, you could kind of see it for what it was and not care at the same time, which is, it's just a really beautiful thing for me. So
0: yeah no it's there i mean there, there's a lot to recommend this this book well who would you who would you recommend this book for De- definitely to a ya audience I, I really think i would have been enraptured by this book if i were a lot less cynical <laughs> <laughs> i mean no serious i mean i well no actually older i mean if i were younger because like when you're younger right that that love that you feel for your high school crush or whomever i mean that's the epic that's the most epic feeling in the world and I think that I would have found Mia's quest to be like so much more like relatable. Like I would do that for the person that I love. And nowadays it's sort of like having met my wife and my I got to work on my play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, but, but there'll, there'll be other people down the line. You just got to be patient. So I, I would definitely recommend this book to people who are, And I mean, it's clearly catered to people who are of the age of mia and grace like 14 to to 19 because even the dynamics when they're flying around they're not like adult workers they're kind of like kids having fun getting together it's sort of like the goonies in a way yeah which is not not a bad thing but the dynamic is very much of kids just like being together loving each other enjoying each other's company this makeshift family so yeah i i I definitely would recommend it to the ya audience that is probably meant for
1: What's funny, when I was in my 20s and going through a little bit of a heartbreak, Ethan Hawke, the, the actor, but also author, released, I think, his first book called The Hottest State. And it's about a guy going through a really bad breakup. And at the time, that book really spoke to me. And I, I keep it on my bookshelf almost as a reminder of that time of my life because it was he's going through what I'm going through and he's feeling what I'm feeling. And I think if I were to read that book again, and I read it, back then it was a 10 out of 10 it was an 11 out of 10 right it was so emotionally charged it spoke to the moment i was in and i think kind of like some of the stuff we we reread on this podcast i think if i reread it again i'm almost afraid to like i would cringe at that pain and that emotion being felt because it's embarrassing for how real it is and that's not what i'm saying about this book i'm glad this book exists for kids to read today straight cis queer whatever but I mean, I think that's what I'd recommend it to anyone who's like felt deeply, like if you want to kind of tap into that feeling of youth and love and you would do anything, etc. cetera. Like, I think if you have a romantic streak in you, I think this is a book that you should read.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it kind of really kind of hits that nerve. Um, but if you're
1: dead inside like Ryan, then, then don't pick it up. So, yeah, if you're you
0: dead inside, like, just use it to crush walnuts. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely found that there are books that I read when I was that, that resonate when you're uh, when you're up to like the age of 12. And then from 12 to 20, there are certain books that resonate with you. And it's weird because I always thought a lot of the books that I loved in my 20s were kind of like the adult books. But even then, I kind of find reading, going back to some of them, I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, this this feels like a a book for young people. So it's interesting how your tastes really do change Mm
2: -hmm. as you age
0: out. Even when you think you're an adult, your tastes are going to change quite a bit based off of whatever you've been through and you're the changing way that you see the world and as your experiences diversify the things that might have appealed to you when you're 15 or 25 aren't going to appeal to you when you're 35 etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: so so what you're saying is because we're so fucking old there's a very narrow band of books that we will enjoy
0: <laughs> i mean it sucks and I kind of feel that that is sort of becoming the case. We talked about going back to Alan Moore and it's such a seminal writer and somebody who made such a big impact on me when I read him in my late teens, early twenties, but there is a part of me that's sort of scared of, is this going to be something that resonates with me still? It's sort of like the way you view your old PlayStation one games as being these epic adventures. And then when you go back to look at it, you're like, I was really into that. It's like really old fashioned looking and clunky. I think I think the literature and the art that you consumed at that age it all can have the same effect when you view it years later well it's been a risk of the show oh, right yeah. like oh yeah, I mean, yeah there's yeah.
1: been I would argue like eighty to ninety percent of the old stuff doesn't hold right because it was a moment in time or it's either it was truly derivative and we were too young to see it or it has become derivative even though it was the source of everything
0: right. but that, that, that's a big risk really- also
1: Right, right. But what's so interesting and and what makes the gamble worth it in terms of discovery or rediscovery on the show is like the 10% of the time when it fucking holds up, like Bone is a great example, right? Like, where it's like, wow, this was groundbreaking. This was so good. And it's still good. Like, and again, it is the minority of stuff that can do that and be timeless. But it's, it's truly worth identifying that and kind of putting stuff through the ringer and the litmus test to see what holds.
0: Well, and it was saying that even with On a Sunbeam, even though there are parts of it where I'm like, okay, this is definitely not for for me. The book was often hypnotic. Uh, It was, as you mentioned, it was like walking through a dream in some parts. And I really appreciated that because that is something new that Tilly Walden, I think, uniquely was able to come up with. Just the visual style of these characters maneuvering through the world was really, really beautiful. Uh, Even though she doesn't have an elaborate style that you normally see with these sci-fi books. I actually think that the way she strips down, uh, her art is so stripped down and sparse, really did wonders, because she was able to create such a a distinct mood, almost one that was sort of somber and and meditative throughout the entire uh, novel.
1: There's, uh, there's actually another book of hers that I read after reading On a Sunbeam, and it's called Are You Listening?, And it's literally a road trip between two teenagers. And that's all it is. It's not space fantasy. It's not about ballet dancing and the pressures of modern dance. And what I find so compelling about Tilly Walden as a creator is it's that stripped down nature. And even her like Walking Dead zombie book, right? Like it was just like. There's something about her that is very hypnotic, and the way she tells stories. And uh, I don't know. I think she's kind of slowly becoming one of those Wes Anderson-like comics creators because it's even though she's been doing it for a while, and even though Wes Anderson's been doing it for a while, no one is quite doing it that way. She she's zigging and zagging in a world that 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 is beating to a very different path that most other people are chasing. So that that's one of the things I just consistently am just really I, I find myself enjoying about her work no matter what the genre is in
0: yeah yeah there's there's a tremendous amount of power to what she does so i mean i even even i mentioned hey i definitely recommend it for to ya audiences but I, how even adults i think could could really kind of get a lot of, out of reading what she's written cool well ryan i yeah well, should i should i ask a question or should, should you ask a question I should ask the question because it's technically your book now. So, oh, okay. You know. Well, then there we go. Well, then uh, what is the question?
1: Well, Ryan, I I I just have one last question for you. What? But what is the question? <laughs> What's in the box? I mean, look, we've covered a lot of ground, man. We, we've covered <sighs> the Holocaust. We've covered like the AI apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And now... Space salamanders and
0: <laughs> like—I like don't if know i love stories, right? That sort of thing. Yeah. What
1: well, What could we possibly be reading next?
0: Well, Ruman, do you like science fiction?
1: I mean, only if space salamanders and queer love stories are involved.
0: But well, yes. But do you like love stories? I'm almost afraid to say yes. But well, yes. <laughs> Just like On a Sunbeam, next week we're going to read a science fiction love story, but a very different one. We're going to read Patience, starts with a P, by Dan Klaus. It's a very strange, surreal, satirical book. It involves a love that transcends time and space. It's probably one of the most bizarre love stories you will ever read, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too, Ruman, because this is going to be your first <laughs> Dan Klaus as well. I'm, uh, I'm
1: trepidatious in my excitement, but I can't wait.
0: <laughs> a very different sci-fi love story than what we read with On a Sunbeam. Let's do it.
1: And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. At qtdcomics at gmail.com. We give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel.
0: And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.
2: Just don't want me for a sunbeam cause sunbeams are not made like me and don't expect me to lie for other reasons you had to die. Don't ever ask your love of me. don't expect me to lie don't expect me to cry don't expect me to die for thee jesus to cry for all the reasons you've had to die. Don't ever ask your love of me. Don't expect me to lie. Don't expect me to cry. Don't expect me to die. Jesus, don't want me for a sunbeam Cause sunbeams are not made like me And don't expect me to lie For all the reasons you had to die Don't ever ask you love of me Don't expect me to lie Don't expect me to cry Don't expect me to die for